There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, this is Tyler. And I'm KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's going on, all my woods people? Today, I'm sitting here on a bed doing some editing, and KC is filling up gas tanks or something. What are you doing, KC? <laughs> I was just preparing to uh, go into a bunker for six months. I think it's kind of my plan. I'm getting gas for the generator and whatnot. It's good. Uh, no, um, I've been taking care of babies and mechanic and on lawnmowers today so Ooh. you and i are both so busy that we just can't line up a schedule to actually meet up and do an intro today so i am coming in remotely from uh, like eight miles from your house so that's <laughs> what's going on right now <laughs> yeah yeah uh that sounds like a pretty pretty uh dad life day there it is it is man it's uh you know, but when you become a dad, Tyler, you know this all too well, but you become, you get proud of your lawnmower, you know, you got to work on your lawnmower. So <laughs> I guess that's a dad thing to do. Not me, man. I, uh, <laughs> I mowed too much as a high schooler and college kid to, to uh, be proud of a lawnmower. I'm actually proud yeah. of the fact that I don't own a lawnmower anymore. I wish I didn't, but sometimes when you get a house that already has an established yard, it's hard to be like, oh, I'm not mowing this, you know? Yeah. So um, I did. I did it in, up there in Sulphur quite a bit, actually. Yeah. yeah well, y'all's yard was pretty small. You could, you could probably weed eat that thing if you needed oh, to. Oh, really? You would weed eat a half acre? No, I'm talking about the front. Just <laughs> well, the front. That's it's the not the only part. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, it was, uh, the front was definitely the easy part, but with a push mower, it still took forever, man. Yeah. That was all I had for yeah. a while, but, uh. That's what I need right now, honestly, is a push mower, because these riding lawnmowers, they take a lot more mechanicking. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it's not really that much of a workout. Like, that's the good thing about push mowing, man, is, like, that's your workout for the day. Yeah. For sure, well, if you push mow a yard. I think the last year I was, I lived in that house, I actually just killed the yard with, you know, 
Roundup. Round I was like, that's good. You know, I'm not doing this. So Roundup in July dry sun is a pretty good way to kill a yard. Yeah. It will kill a dead. No more working on lawnmowers. No more, you know, <laughs> working behind lawnmowers. I was that's right. done I guarantee it. you, if my yard continues to need to be mowed into October, I'm definitely round up that sucker. There ain't no time for lawnmowing in deer season. Yeah, well, I, uh, I was thinking about putting some ryegrass out here in a couple of weeks for you, but... You know, oh, no. <laughs> I guess I won't That's do not that. Gonna work, sir. It's not gonna work. <laughs> Ooh, man. Well, oh, man, I have been working on tons of video stuff all day. There has been uh, many uploads going to YouTube, um, trying to schedule stuff out because we've got a busy September. Uh, me and Jack, in particular, and you've you've got some stuff uh, lined up for September as well, but. Uh, Jack and I are taking off here in a couple of days to head to Nebraska, and we're going to uh, try to scout a couple of days before the season and, and then go out and shoot something that's, uh, you know, cool and maybe in velvet. So uh, the one thing I don't know is, like, I don't know what you do with velvet antlers. Like, aren't you supposed to, like, don't guys, like, inject them or something? I don't know what you're supposed to do. I mean, it depends on how big the critter is, I think. I mean, if you – if you're talking about something that's like a Euro mount, a lot of guys just strip them and just do the antler. Yeah. Uh, Anthony just froze his and he just takes it out of the freezer and looks at it from time to time. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. one way to do it. Uh, you can eat it, you know, if you want to get the testosterone boost from it, I think. So See, maybe. Yeah. I'm not too, not too yeah. big on that one, maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe Jack, since he's 20, he needs, he needs all you can get, you know. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe like if I do shoot a buck and it's, Anything less than what I would maybe deem like shoulder mount worthy, um, mm-hmm. I kind of think that I'll just skull cap it. Instead yeah, of it's probably easy, especially when you're talking about the CWD stuff yeah. across state lines. You know, yeah. just yeah. skull cap it and wash the top out, and then put it on a. Uh, maybe I'll cut you know cut out a board that looks like Nebraska, and then put it there on that go. board. You know, there you go. My dad yeah. used to have you a know. Texas. Uh, um, like a Texas shaped, uh, you know, little, uh, board or whatever that he would do and he would sketch them or whatever and then mm-hmm. cut them out. And we did the first, my first few bucks were done on a Texas board. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, Tony Treach is who we're going to talk to today in this interview. And I've actually already edited the interview part of it. Mm. And Tony has a very detailed way of getting rid of all that brain matter inside of a skull. If you care to, to yeah, listen to it do sounds, that, uh, so. sounds real not up my alley, you know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Somebody's got to do it, right? I mean, somebody's got to do it, man. There's people hey, that don't works. care. <clears throat> yeah, I've done it before. It works. Um, but, uh, you know, whenever you're traveling and whatnot across state lines and going to hunt here, there, and everywhere, like there's all kinds of stuff like that to consider, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think it was a couple of years ago, we kind of talked to Brian Murphy from uh, QDMA about some of that stuff. Um, yeah. You may be able to go back and look in the archives and find that episode if you're interested in it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're we're going to be doing some traveling. We're going to uh, Nebraska. And this is, this is you know, um, basically <laughs> – uh, the reason I'm uploading all this content right now is because it's produced, it's ready to go out, and when we get to September, it's basically let's focus on the season playlist and what's going on in the season and hunting and that kind of thing. So with that, you know, we're going to be pretty excited that the season intro I think is going to release on September 1st. It's you know the Woo-hoo! intro that goes before everything, and it's uh, very similar to last year except for all the clips are pretty much like 
almost all the clips are from last year's season. So, mm, whereas, man. you know, lots of clippage. It used to be that uh, that first intro was uh, from years and years, you know, it was the top, mm-hmm. top notch uh, cream of the crop stuff. But uh, this stuff is not is pretty awesome too, man. It's no slouch. So, I'm excited to release that season intro on YouTube on September 1st. I'm also um really excited for the season uh playlist to start because and i've been watching some of that stuff today as i've been like working on some different editing stuff that uh doesn't require a ton of attention but maybe requires time i like go through and start watching some of the videos from the season last year and dude it is like you want to talk about crunk fest man it'll get you up <laughs> oh yeah man like oh I... <laughs> I'm thinking about the elk stuff, right? Because yep. that's my next hunt right. is an elk hunt. Like, I don't get to go to Nebraska with y'all this year, but we're all going to be heading up September 14th to go elk hunting. And sheesh, there is some epic elk stuff in the season playlist that just gets me so crunk, <laughs> man. Like, yep. And what's uh, what actually is kind of sad is, like, I just – there's no way – I would love to be like Mr. Optimism and say we're going to have a year just like last year with encounters, but there's just no way it happens because we're going to a different place, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't want it to be a big letdown. However, like, it's okay to get hop about elk, big elk bugling, even if you're not going to get to, like, have quite the same experience, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, there's always a chance, man, some, you know, yeah. some big old elk just comes through and, you know, is uh, and you have a chance, man. But even yeah. still, I mean – Sometimes a rag can sound like a pretty cool elk too, you know. So I can guarantee you one thing, Mr. Rag, I better watch out because he's gonna get a tag. <laughs> rag gonna get a tag. Had. That's Come right. Come on. That's right. Come oh, on. <laughs> man. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Uh, this is gonna be the first year that I've had a tag in my pocket since you have a tag elk. in your pocket. Yeah. Right. Since yeah, 2011. We, we officially both have our licenses, and we will be ready to hunt. It's down. It's going down. Yeah, Brown's going down is what's happening. Brown, right? Down Browns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so pretty stoked about that. And, uh, you know, that just starts our starts our season, man. September's going to be busy. Uh, two out-of-state hunts. Um, and hopefully, uh, who knows what's going to happen towards the end Kinda of the month. Three. But really? Yeah. We're, because, I guess we're leaving at the end of the month probably to go to South Dakota, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh <laughs> so, it's a busy out of state month coming up and I'm pretty excited about it and uh there's gonna be lots of traveling involved, which is why we wanted to have Tony Treach talk to us, right? That's right, man. He's like the freaking guy if you want to talk <laughs> about traveling to hunt. Yeah. I mean, the dude almost doesn't live at his home because he travels so much to hunt, you know. Dude, I've never heard of anybody who carries freezers around across the western US and drops them off. <laughs> That's you need know a guy's a killer too. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I I need to go ahead and make sure I have enough freezers for seven animals because I have seven packs. You yep. know? Like you and I are like, man, how many coolers should we bring? I don't know, probably don't need any. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Can we uh just you know, how many how many uh coolers can we get in the back bed of the truck? Oh, zero? Okay, well that's yeah. all right. We probably won't kill that's one fine. anyway. So Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we're gonna uh uh, talk to Tony a little bit about traveling and maybe we'll get some like osmosis where we just like start to really figure out how to actually put stuff in freezers. Mm, you know what I mean? Yes. So. Please let Tony Treach be my spirit animal for the season. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ready to get him on the phone? Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right. Now on the phone, we've got Tony Treach. Tony, what's been going on, man? Uh, not much. I'm just, uh, 
just getting going on my uh, my fall trip. I'm headed west. I left this morning and uh, had a little bit of vehicle malfunction, but uh, we're, we're moving. I've, I've been driving since about 12 hours now. So yeah, you're going through the the best uh, some of the best whitetail country in the world right now, man. I am. I'm in uh, central central Iowa, and it's green. They've had looks like a very wet wet summer and spring, and I'm sure there's some some big velvet bucks I'm driving by. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's awesome. So we talked to you maybe about a year ago probably um i think yep. you were a part of our uh part of some of the stuff we were doing last summer and so since then what's been going on man what are you involved with uh still writing for rock slide doing gear, gear reviews uh doing freelance writing i think I'll, I'll have uh this year i'll have three different articles in east Venice and at, at one last year in mushroom hunter just on, on gear that i've or milk that i've killed um I uh, killed a couple good bucks last year. Uh, both both were runners, uh, you gross spoon and Crockett. Um, both of my bow. Uh, got a big elk. Um, that was with a gun. Chased a uh, chased a monster, a couple monster elk in Montana. It didn't it didn't draw any blood. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think, I uh, chased Ibex around uh, in New Mexico with a bow. Got humiliated. Um, <laughs> I, I earned I earned a couple shot opportunities, and I and I, uh, I did get a shot off. Um, but uh, my arrow caught vegetation right in front of me, about four feet right in front of me. I thought I was going to clear it, and just dragged me on, slowed my arrow down enough. I shot right underneath them, and I uh, I missed a couple. Or not missed, but I passed up opportunities to shoot some smaller bellies. Um, but. Dodged a couple of rattlesnakes. Uh, yeah. Literally, almost stepped on one. Had to, you know, launched myself backwards, and it was that. That was a scary place to to uh, to be. I mean, yeah. just everything there wants to kill you. But, <laughs> well, yeah, it's been, I got married. That was that was a uh, right. A little bit scarier than the rattlesnake, but I have to meet us winter. Yeah, uh, that's cool. But I did good. I married up. So yeah, yeah. you found your girl that, that likes your hobby, or at least appreciates your hobby or, or your passions that you do, man. That's cool. And yeah. you and you found the elusive Costa Rican whitetail. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think. I think we actually caught uh, COVID down there too. On uh, <laughs> our way back through, we went through O'Hare in Newark, and then. Uh, Three days after uh, my wedding, um, I was definitely sick, and actually I did a podcast with uh, Wired Hunt, uh, and I was coughing and hacking the whole time. I couldn't have to apologize about it. I went to the doctor, and she did the you know, the nasal swipe test for influenza A and B, because she said, oh, that's what it is. It's yeah. class inclusive. It came back negative the next day, and she was so perplexed, the doctor, and, uh, and Jody got sick, my wife, and then all my guys at work got sick, and... One of them actually came to me the next, you know, I, I called him the, the next day after he, he uh, was uh, sick. You know, I left work and he said, it's the weirdest thing. And this was early February where before anyone they knew anything about it. And he said, it's the weirdest thing. I can't smell him or, or taste my food. And, uh, you know, like, so a month later when we find out that that's one of the things we were, we were all looking at each other like, huh, I yeah. guess we're good now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we're, you know, right before they uh, st- shut down Texas, um, we, my daughter was really sick for a few days with a real high fever, and I was with her in a 567-square-foot building for, like, four of the five days the week before their spring break, 
uh, while she was sick and didn't catch it. And like they were saying how the 20 to 30 year old kind of people are, are like sometimes don't catch it and they can be, you know, a carrier that's asymptomatic or whatever. And I was like, it's like, man, I would almost guarantee you that's what she had. Uh, and you know, I, I was with, I, I catch everything dude. And I didn't have any (laughs) symptoms or anything, you know? So I was like, if it was the flu, I would have had it, man. Like no doubt, you know? So, uh, weird deal, man. I I feel like we've kind of already gone through it too, but who knows, man, here in two weeks, I might be real sick. Who knows? Hope not. (laughs) But uh, I I think a lot of, uh, at least, so we were kind of, you know, everything and obviously New York was ahead of pretty much everybody here in the U S and I think Texas has been behind a little bit, but, uh, I have a a buddy who works in the medical field that uh, goes to my church and he was like, I think what we're going to see is about two more weeks looking at the graphs and stuff about two more weeks here in Texas. And I think we're out of the woods at that point. So hopefully that's the case. Yep. Yeah. Get this stuff behind us and try to get back to bring it to life. That's right, yeah. man. That's that's the truth, man. Has it affected like any of your plans or your travels for the fall? As far as like places uh, you can and can't go? No. Um, the only thing that uh, really has affected my travel is uh, like when I go to Kansas. Uh, so I'll do this mountain trip in the Rockies to hunt these uh, field deer and elk tags, then go home for a little while, process all the animals that I get, and then I'll go back to Kansas on a separate trip. And I usually go through St. Louis and Kansas City, and I think I'm going to go around those cities. I don't, I don't want to be caught in a situation where there's protesters blocking the freeway. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's that's a concern. I mean, I don't want to. I'm just going to avoid spots that might be trouble and just, yeah. just don't want to have to deal with it so. yeah for sure yeah man. definitely man and you know what we we went uh we went turkey hunting this spring uh quick trip and to get into turkeys in texas we pretty much have to go either south or west and so we went west and we had to go through the metroplex the dfw metroplex and i realized very quickly after stopping at the conven- the first convenience store that there was no restrooms that were going to be open in the entire Metroplex. You know what I mean? They were not going to let you in these convenience stores to use the bathroom. And I was like, I just drank like, you know, some caffeine drink or whatever. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is not good. So I just, yeah. I- I'll admit this. Uh, I may get a ticket for this in the mail or something, but I-, I peed in the parking lot. I mean, I had to, dude. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, I just crack the door open and take a pee with the interstate 30 right beside you, you know, and just hope nobody really cares to look. So, um, you see, uh, what you need there is you should call me because I've got a, a, I travel so much, uh, during the fall that I've you always carry a pee jug, uh, a gallon pee jug in the, in the cab with you in the trunk. Yeah, I carry, I try to carry Gatorade bottles, um, a lot of times, and I literally have done yep. that while driving. Um, but you know, we stopped, I was thinking I could go to the bathroom. And so I was like, well, I might as well just do this, you know, here because easier than KC driving through Dallas traffic, you know, and me trying to pee into a Gatorade bottle. Which actually happened a couple months later. It's it's happened multiple times. He had to pee in a coffee mug here uh, a couple, about a month ago. Dude, peeing's a, it's a, it's a pastime for me. I don't know about y'all. I love peeing. Well, that's, that's an advanced technique there. I haven't done it while I'm driving. Usually what happens to me is like, you know, tonight when it gets dark and I'll get tired I'll just blow over at some rest stop or parking lot and, and fall asleep but 
I just I, you know, I'm always parked. It's not a it's not a driving situation. So. Yeah. What's your uh, what's your tip? Yeah, I probably shouldn't have admitted that. Uh, <laughs> what, what's your tip for uh, for KC's wondering how how do you pee into a bottle and not drink it? Oh yeah. yeah have you ever had that it's, happen? Uh, no. Okay. No. no. I. It's, yeah. They, they go in. They go in separate spots. And, That's good. Uh, yeah. No. So yeah, the reason. The reason that Tony is a solo hunter most of the time is because <laughs> he's realized that when you hunt with people and maybe their tree stand is higher than yours, that they actually pee on you. Um, that's also oh. happened. Yeah. So Tyler's trying to crack on me for drinking my own pee jug one time. Well. <laughs> Next, se- next season, the dude, Dick, I'm just didn't pay any attention to the wind direction. And just I was wearing scent lock, you know. Forget the wind, just hunt. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, yeah. But uh, so we we are slaps when it comes to traveling. Apparently, we can't, we can't do anything right, man. That's why we got yeah. you on the phone. So. Yeah, no, I, you know, I've traveled quite a bit. I, I uh, played in a couple of bands, you know, and and peeing and and bottles in a van was no big deal. It's a little bit more difficult to pick up, you know, but, um, I have a few thoughts about travel and I think I travel pretty well, but at the same time, I've never had to leave for two months, you know, so things could probably be a little different. Um, and there's always something you can learn from somebody, man. Like it doesn't matter if even, you know, this is one thing I think a lot of hunters struggle with is not being the alpha male and like understanding that even from like dudes that have only done it something a few times, you can learn something sometimes from people that are just pretty novice, you know? So, and not that you are, but, it, but I mean, I you should, to be humble and to know that is, is a good way to gain more expertise, I think. And so we decided we would have the best guy on for the traveling stuff. And, you know, with that, um, I guess like the first, the first general question is like, how do you, what do you put into place and how far in advance are you putting into place your system before you actually ever pack a single thing? System for, for traveling to hunt, you know, like what you're doing right now, where you're headed, what does it look like to actually, before you get anything in the truck, what are you, are you building a list? Are you thinking about your tags? What do you have to think about those tags and, and how does that determine what you bring and that kind of thing? Gotcha. So yeah, the, the tags, is, you know, determining where you're going to hunt obviously is, is the first thing that's going to be to determine what gear you take. So, um, you know, there's been years where I didn't even have a single uh, rifle tag, uh, firearm tag, even any weapon. So you know, right there, you, you scratch off a lot of gear that you just don't need, uh, you know, to bring. Um, once you, you know, so once tag season's all over and I've got it laid out, what you know where I'm going to be hunting and what I'm going to be doing. Unless it's something new, uh, I've got, I'll have a good idea of what kind of gear I'm going to be using. You know, Kansas, I'm going to be decoying, spotting stock, you know, rattling in bucks down there. Uh, Colorado, early archery, deer tag, I'm going to be up in the high country, most likely backpacking in, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, and elk hunts in different parts, you know, and elk hunt compared to, uh, like, Last year I had in Colorado, compared to my outcome last year in Montana, were completely different. Um, one's high elevation, one's low elevation. So you got different gear for all different stuff. Um, in the first few years, I did have, I did do the list thing, but anymore, um, I've got a bunch of totes that I, you know, keep uh, all my gear in, you know, in the off season. And basically, at the end of a season, I'll, I'll, I'll make a list of, you know, when you're driving, you know, I'm, I drive so much, you know. I'm, on the 
way home, I, I'll basically make a list of what, what what broke, what needs to be replaced, whatever, and then I'll replace that over the winter. So that stuff stays kind of in its home, and it, I keep it relatively organized. Sure. And and there's always new gear that I'm testing for my slide uh, to write reviews on that I'll, I'll be plugging in. But then that stuff's all kind of I have a large basement area that kind of like turned into gear area, and I'll, I'll lay those totes out usually a couple weeks before I plan on leaving. This year it was a little late in it, and it happened just like a few days before. But it gives me a chance to go through everything again and, you know, make sure everything's good. And then I, then I move the gear to the garage, still all spread out. Um, and then it's just a matter of, you know, backing up the truck. And uh, I have a small flatbed uh, trailer that I carry a uh, two freezers, two small uh, freezers and a uh, little four-wheeler, which I started using in 2017, I think, was the first year I brought the four-wheeler mm-hmm. after... I had uh, done about six thousand dollars worth of damage in Arizona uh, on an elk hunt to my truck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can definitely like, buy a four wheeler for less than that. So. Oh, I, and I, yeah, I, I listened to. I got some great advice from a good guy, but he's like, "Oh yeah, we drive up there all the time." Well, I don't know what kind of rock crawler he's using, but an F two fifty is definitely not the right vehicle to take up there. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, so. I pull, I haul that little guy around now. It's just, I bought the smallest little four wheel drive four wheeler I can find, and uh, that thing saves a lot of wear and tear for my truck. Sure. Just getting the trailheads. Yeah. So. So, okay, let's think about it this way a little bit, too. Um, and maybe, I don't know how this looks for you, like some, some hunts, there may be a hunt that you go on, like say the Ibex hunt or something like that, that you don't, you don't go on every year, right? And so there's some different things in, in that system that you may use possibly. Um, a lot of the guys that are listening to this podcast, I can guarantee you, are either thinking about going on their first elk hunt or they haven't been in three years. So their totes are not packed anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, what, what, uh, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's going to either go on a new hunt this year or, um, who's, you know, going to go on a hunt that they haven't been on in a few years or whatever, as far as like packing gear, what, what are some tips that they could be thinking about to be prepared for that? Well, if I listen to the podcast, they're already, they're already learning and that's good. Yeah. Um, podcasts are fantastic for, uh, well, learning anything you want to learn about, but um, there's enough of them now that focus on gear. And, uh, you know, between that and, you know, I started out with, you know, I didn't start on the mountains, but when I, when I, you know, my early 20s, I started traveling around the Midwest and uh, go to Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Ohio, and just, you know, I'd sleep in different farmers' barns for a month and a half. And, and then eventually I just got the elk bug and, like, I want to do it. And I jumped in. But I didn't know anything either. And, you know, there was websites like Archer Talk, you know, that Western uh, hunting section. You could learn. There's some good some guys there I became friends with. I learned a lot from Rockslide. It was fantastic. Um, but, you know, for there was so many guys that were eager to help. And, you know, just a couple of concerns you could have, you know, three or four different guys who are, you know, been hunting in the mountains for whatever, like the time that, you know, here's their whole gear list. Um, and yeah, it's basically if the information's out there. You just gotta look for it. And, yeah. Uh, there's, been, there's probably never been a better time to, to be doing this because you know it's yeah this has been a whole lot different you know 15 20 years ago. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, for me personally, um, 
Like I just had to I had to Like same as It sounds like you're kind of saying this But like You kind of just have to like Do your best The first time you go And go And just be tough And like There's going to be something you forget Or something you Didn't know that you needed And you just got to be uncomfortable sometimes And then And then After you've done it a few times You start to really fine tune that system A little bit You know Oh yeah 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 That's how we were last year We went on a Backcountry elk hunt In a wilderness area You know And it's like Okay, um, I'm going to learn as much as I can, like you said, from podcasts and forums and all that. And then you just kind of got to commit and just deal with some junk, pretty much, yeah. you know. And and I think for me, one of the things I learned more than anything is how much I didn't really need to bring. You know, like there's, yes. I, I think the stupid thing I always do is always bring way too much food. Um, and I'm trying to do, do better at it, but it's still hard, man. Like you just peanut butter yeah, mainly. Oh, I want peanut butter so bad, you know. But uh, you know, like there's, that's always kind of the thing. And um, Tyler does a pretty good job with this. I think he's a little hungry sometimes, but he doesn't admit it. Um, but <laughs> like uh, whenever you you kind of step out of the backcountry stuff, and then you start talking about more like the travel, like you're doing, like it's real hard to not be like. There's a Taco Bell, oh, you know. Gosh, <laughs> uh, you know, how do you manage like eating on the road and in uh, trying to stay healthy? Because I mean, crap. If uh, you travel like you do, or we travel quite a bit too, if every time you hit the road you eat fast food, like you're going to end up being a big bloated sack of lazy. Dude, you know, you're going to get some XL real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like these sick larges don't fit no more. <laughs> so, yeah. How do you manage uh, that road food? You know, honestly, I'm not the best at that. Uh, I, but but I, I, I'll be I'm, honestly, I uh, I eat crap food when I'm when I'm on the road. Um, <laughs> cool, good. Uh, Me too. We're not the only ones. I, I, I eat healthier food when I'm when I'm backpacked in, probably with the freeze dried food than I do when I'm actually moving between hunts. Um, the the thing that saves me is, um, you know, I, there's a all kinds of different people who hunt mountains. You know, you got the guy who's a classer, you got the guy who's a still hunter, you know, then you got the guy that just hikes his ass off. I'm, I'm kind of a crossing the glassing guy and I'm the hike my ass off guy. And I just, it's nothing to, you know, 10, 15 miles a day. And I, uh, after a few weeks of doing that and, you know, if I'm like driving around once every week or two, I can eat pretty much whatever I want. And yeah. Mm. I'm still, I'm still, you know, I left home at 185. I'll come home at 175. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll look at it when I was 30 when I come home. So <laughs> that's the reason you started hunting out west. Because when you, when you eat Taco Bells and then you go, you know, whitetail hunt, sometimes you can, uh, <laughs> And then you put some duplex cookies on top yeah. of that, man. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think Kansas every year I gain back half of the weight uh, in two weeks. I'll gain back every half of what I lost over three months in the mountains. Oh, guarantee, man. You get one of those Northerners blows in, like, you're going to eat for yeah. sure. <laughs> Chicken like, spaghetti. Yeah, hot meals every meal. Yeah. You know, it's just the way yeah. it is. Yeah, man. So, yeah, so, you know, what is uh, – like what it, you know you're gonna do some truck truck camping I'm sure what is uh what does your truck camping system look like um, as far as like the food that goes you know how are you heating up meals are you still doing the mountain house thing or whatever uh, at when you're still at the truck or are you trying to eat out of the out of the ice chest or that kind of thing. I, I try to eat out of the ice chest as much as I can. Um, I keep Yetis loaded up with food, um, but. 
there, you know, like in the mornings, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll have one of the little off-grid uh, food company oatmeals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those things are good, but, man. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, but, but I almost don't consider those, they're almost like in a different category of freeze-dried food because he uses everything that's healthy and organic. So it's, and I, I, there's no guilt when eating one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I definitely, I definitely try to, um, stock up on stuff that I can keep in the freezer, you know, that'll last a week and I can just punch on it whatever, uh, throughout the week. But it's, uh, the, the, kid, the sleeping situation with it's, it's, it's funny. If, if I'm like, so, so, okay, my first time, uh, this year is Nevada, an orchard year. It's a unit I've never stepped foot in. I won't, I won't set up a base camp tent until I find a buck that I want to kill. Yeah. Um, and maybe not even that because I'm going to keep looking for others for a plan B, plan C, whatever. Once I, so I'll literally sleep in the, in the, in the cab of my truck. Uh, one thing I, I love about this, you know, Ford trucks, that it, that these cabs and chairs are so comfortable. And, you know, if you park point on a little bit of a hill pointing up, I can get the seat almost flat. I, I can sleep like a baby in it. Uh, That's a pro sure, tip. Yeah, yeah. That's a pro tip for sure. nothing behind the uh, front seat so I can lean back. Yeah. Is that why you had your rear wheel removed uh, earlier today? It's because, like, you're going through the flatlands, so, like, you you can't park on a hill, so, like, you just, you know, you take the rear tires off. Is that what that was going on with the Instagram post? Um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I started getting, like, a vibration in the steering wheel. And I, every one of my tires was out of balance. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how I was making it down the highway. <laughs> But yeah. once I find something that, I, you know, and, I, and I've got a game plan of where I'm going to hunt and how I'm going to hunt, I'll set up, uh, you know, it's not a wall tent, but it's a, it's a eight man big Agnes tent, a big one, and uh, pull out a nice cot. And, you know, it's, I make a little hole in there that you know, it takes me an hour or two to set up and tear down if I, you know, if I had to change plans. But, um, yeah, but the places where I'm getting hunting out of, I try to make it as comfortable as possible. And, you know, the important thing being a cot uh, that I'm Get a really good night's sleep in and a little portable shower because cool. there's uh, there's nothing that rejuvenates me more than you know you know cleaning up with some cold water at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah, it yeah, makes a big difference. What do you use for that show? You have like a solar shower or what? What do you have for that? Uh, it's made by Nemo. Uh, it's just a little foot pump. I think it probably holds. I'm guessing it holds probably three gallons of water in the, in uh, and so it gathers the heat from the sun. Uh, and then, yeah, it's this little foot pump. You step on it. It's got a little five foot, six foot board or hose and like a little uh, just a squeeze nozzle at the end. Pretty good. Cool. If nice. you don't have sunshine, it's not warm out. It can be extremely refreshing. Uh, <laughs> That's one way yeah. to put it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no way to warm it up, but it's it's a lifesaver when, you know, on these, like, little like where I'm going now, it's... I was just talking to a buddy down there today, and he said he's a little further south than the unit I'm going to be in. But uh, you know, it's mid 90s at 9,000 feet elevation. Golly, so, yeah, it's going to be hot. Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're you're making a big long haul right now, and you you talked about. Uh, Stopping at a truck stop or a rest stop or something like that to sleep at night. Yep. Um, this is probably, if there's a point of contention between Tyler and I when it comes to working as a team, it is how far you can drive before 
it's it's a day and you need to stop. I am yeah. the let's drive all night and make it happen. And Tyler, but now is, that he's a dad, he starts falling asleep <laughs> unless I'm talking. No. <laughs> but uh, there's there's probably definitely some some good reasons from Tyler's point for sure. Of like, you know, twelve hours. 14 hours on the road is kind of a, a full day's driving for him. And, uh, yep. you know, for me, it's just like, gosh, if I could just get there in one day of driving, then I have extra time. But really, I just need to make the more time on the front end or the back end. How do you approach that? Uh, well, when I, when I first started, uh, I was so, I mean, I remember, I remember the first couple times I drove out west for an Elkhart, I was so jacked up that I, I probably only slept two hours. Yeah. And I, I just was, I got to get there. Uh, anymore, I just, you know, I, I'm not the. I have a lot of admiration for truck drivers. Like I don't know how they do what they do. Yeah. I, I, I uh, as soon as I start feeling sleepy, I'm, 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 I'm looking for a spot to pull over. I just don't risk it. And so I'll, what I'll, I'll sleep for two or three hours, four hours, but whatever my body just tells me when I wake up, I wake up and I go. So it's just you know let my body kind of tell me what I need. But yeah. Definitely don't take me. I don't take any chances with, with it. Yeah. So you're driving from. Uh, the upper Midwest right now, all the way to Nevada. How many days is it going to take you to get there? Uh, well, I should be tomorrow in Colorado. That's going to be my first stop. I'm going to stop in Colorado and drop off uh, gear that I don't need. Uh, you know, my freezers, because my next stop is in Colorado, and I got a buddy there that you know, I'll have two hunts in Colorado: deer and elk. Uh, so I'm going to drop my stuff off at his place, the freezers, uh, you know, all my. You know, I've got a tote full of uh, gun hunting stuff. I don't need that. I don't need. I don't. I, you know, I don't want to leave a six thousand, seven thousand dollar custom rifle in my truck while I'm in Nevada. So I'll leave that with him and just basically dump off with a bunch of gear. Um, and then uh, we'll head to Nevada. And I think I think I should be there. I'll be in Colorado tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and I'm thinking I'll probably make it to Nevada uh, the next day. So. Cool. So talk about the freezer thing. You, you mentioned it last time we had you on the podcast, but are, are those freezers, when you put meat in them, do you try to freeze the meat and then drive home with the freezer and, and all the meat in there frozen? Or how does that look? So uh, first off, you got to have a friend uh, that has a, a garage or uh, a yard. I mean, I've literally... Just put them in people's yard and tarp, put a tarp over them for, for three weeks. Uh, but having a friend that you know lets you do that is very key. And I'm lucky enough I've got some good contacts that I've met. Most of them on the mountain or in, in the town, or whatever, or, you know, close to where I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, get it, you know, I put them in the you old. Know, after killing them, I always have ice in the ice. Get, get them on ice. Get them to the freezer, uh, and then get them froze. Uh, you know, perfect situation. You know, you got at least a night. You're gonna spend there so you can get them a good start before you put them in the you know back on the trailer and then take it to the next location where you can again take it off the trailer at your buddy's your next buddy's house in the next state and uh, that meat once you know in, like it's in Colorado I've got two tags deer and elk so which I'll probably kill the deer first I'm gonna concentrate on that anyways and then that deer within you know two days you know, even a, a 60 pound whatever 80 pounds of boned out meat will just be a giant block of frozen you know meat mm-hmm. in just a couple of days and that will stay that I mean they never they never defrost you, I've, I've literally had uh, a couple years ago I I had a deer in an elk from Colorado and I went to Wyoming hunted there shot a deer in an elk uh, 
put the, put, the, put that deer and elk in there and got a, got a couple days uh, freeze on it. Drove to Montana, hunted out for 10 days, shot a bull, put him in the eddy, and then drove home. And by the time I got home, the, the, the deer and elk from Colorado and Wyoming still hadn't even started to defrost. Uh, and I literally did not, I, I didn't have anywhere in Montana at that time to plug it in. So I literally just kept it parked in the shade with the tarp over and uh, it did fine. Yeah, so, golly. And then you got an arrow sponsor after that. <laughs> <laughs> Out of arrows. No, I, I don't, I, no arrow sponsor. I, I'm uh, I actually got two different bows with different arrows. That's uh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, um, so, so you're, are you, I'm guessing you're just using like big straps to strap the freezers up on the trailer, I guess, right? Yeah. Yep. And yep. just making sure yep. they stay closed. Do you duct tape the doors or anything or is it a, like a chest uh, freezer? Yeah. They're just like the little mini chest freezers. Okay. Right? Uh, four foot long, three foot high. Yeah. Uh, but no, I've never, I've never duct taped them. I just keep them strapped down. Do you ever take, uh, there. like food in those to kind of get you through the trip? There is gear in every cooler in the freezers. <laughs> uh, like right now I've got a target in one freezer. I usually have a, uh, the Euro uh, skull cleaning kit, you know, because every state, you know, you have to clean all the brain matter out now before you transport it from one state to another. So yeah. that's usually in one freezer. And, um, they, yeah, they've got gear in them until they get used the first time. And then, you know, it may just shift, shift it around a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever stopped and, uh, like, got an RV spot just so you could plug in your freezers, you know, like an RV park? No, no, I have not. Uh, like I said, they're, uh, they, if you keep them out of the sun, you know, and usually by, by the time I'm going home, it's uh, October, late October. Yeah. So it's cooler then, and I don't, you know, they just been plugged in at different places along the way. And um, shoot, even when I get home, you know, if it takes me a couple of days to drive home, and even if I have a, you know, like that Montana trip a couple of years ago where I didn't have anywhere to plug it in, and I hunted for 10 days and two days driving home. You know, the, I, those freezers still sat in my garage open. Uh, you know, me waiting for them to thaw out so I can start processing the meat. <laughs> so it's wow. You, you get those giant blocks of meat uh, froze, and they, they they'll it's, they'll stay uh, they'll stay that way for quite a while. Yeah. It's crazy <laughs> right. Well, Tony is a big buck killer, no doubt. If you can, if you go look at his Instagram, you know that for a fact. And we actually just released a Map Scout Challenge video, which you've heard us talk about. And this is from Missouri. We got the camera in the day before we released the video. And speaking of big bucks, Tony might even be jealous of one of these bucks, right? Oh, man, there's a toad on there. What's cool is that he was in a real specific spot. You know, there's like a really neat tactic that involves beavers that mm. <laughs> led us to be able to get this buck on trail camera there. So some like really specific scouting involved. And if you want to go check it out and see what that's all about and understand like how beavers and whitetail interact, go over to our YouTube channel, the element on YouTube and watch the map scout challenge from Missouri, Mark Twain national forest. So what is the what's the your skull cleaning kit look like? Just uh, you know, like an old turkey fryer, uh, and then the uh, well, I went through a lot of different uh, pots. Mm-hmm. The um, I had I had to make a new one last year because uh, my bull's Colorado bull skull was too big. It was too, too long. I couldn't I couldn't get the back of his head uh, in the water. So this year I actually I made a. Uh, 
cut down a uh, 55 gallon drum to uh, like the, basically the first uh, ridge. So it's it's probably uh, foot 14 inches uh, tall, and I brought that with me so I can I get, I'll be able to clean anything I, I kill. And then uh, that's it. Uh, you know, I pretty much. I know you're not supposed to do it, but there are, are power washers in every town that um, are real, real useful for cleaning out that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, sometimes I got a buddy that'll let me use that. Like in Wyoming and Kansas, I do. But um, other spots, is just yeah. So are you I'll just wash them and get them as clean as I can. I don't bleach them and stuff until I get home. Um, yeah. And, and they, they turn out just fine. So do you? Um, I'm just getting all the matter off of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't done a Euro. I've never been interested in doing one really. Um, but I've got some guys, I've got a, a friend here that does a great job and doesn't charge me very much. And so I've just had him do it. Um, do you like, do you just boil it down and then power wash it? Or is it the other way around? I'm, I know I sound like a real novice yeah. saying this, but yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you want to you, you slow cook it, uh, basically just a, a little light simmer. And then, you know, I've you just got to watch out. You don't want to do it too much. Um, I've uh, gotten distracted before, and then, you know, it, it dries way, it dries way out too much. So as soon as the stuff starts kind of peeling off, uh, usually what I'll do is uh, take a wire, like a piece of coat hanger, and if you have a drill, it works great. You can stick that inside the, the brain stem hole and uh, spin it with a drill and just liquefies everything. Uh, power washer as much as you can off, put it back in there. And usually I do that probably two or three times. So I'll take it out, power wash it, put it back in the water, just let it simmer it again. And by the time you, you know, that last power wash, you know, lots of little stuff's coming off. I mean, everything's coming off. Yeah. When, when do you add the onions, carrots, and potatoes? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I always joke about that, but it, it's pretty nasty. It's, not, uh, yeah, not it's, a, it's a gross deal, man. Um, the power washing thing's my least favorite part. I haven't done it a whole lot, but. Uh, Does it get you, in your mouth and stuff? You want to wear some stuff. <laughs> Okay. You know, yes. you want to wear yes. some goggles and some stuff, especially with yeah. like the CWD implications. You know, like there hasn't been a, a species to species jump yet, but I don't want to be the first yeah, one. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> be uh, specimen number one. You know, that'd be bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I definitely don't want to be wearing your nice clothes when you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty nasty. Do you ever? Uh, do you ever get your animals tested for CWD when you travel? I have not. Um, there was a check station in Wyoming two years ago, and they took the lymph nodes off uh, my buck and my bull. And, um, and I don't know if that's what they're testing for or not, but I never got any phone call or anything, so I'm guessing it was fine. Yeah, but, so you just kind of out of sight, out of mind, I'm going to eat it kind of thing? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it's, I don't I'm, I'm pretty picky about what I shoot and uh, I mean, not, not to say that if I, if I saw something that was sick and wounded I'd probably burn my tag and I'd just put it out of his misery but uh, most of the bucks I'm shooting are extremely healthy Yeah, uh, right. at least by looks I'm sure they could still be a carrier but right. uh, yeah no, it, so, no signs of poor health so when you're traveling state to state like you are, you know, this isn't like the most common scenario, but it's a thing that you could run into, especially you, where you're taking, you know, like a uh, elk you shot in Wyoming and take it to Colorado and vice versa or whatever it might be. Um, do you run into any issues with like having, you know, a fairly fresh kill from a different state in a state when you're trying to hunt? You know, as far as legality goes, like, is there any uh, sketchy stuff that you need to watch out for or make sure you do? 
I don't think so. Well, you can't bring any bone. Oh, well, I, I, some states probably still allow you to, but enough of them don't that I just, I just, uh, I, I just take all bones off. The only bone that gets moved from state to state is the skull, and that's, you know, that's free of any brain or so. Um, you know, I, I think there's the getting there. The, you know, it keeps you safe, anyways. The, uh, if, if there was ever any question like where it came from, um, being a writer, you know, you know, and I'm, I'm also pretty picky about what I shoot, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be big if I'm killing it, yeah, and, and old. So I'm gonna have a, a picture trail, literally for articles that I write. You know, um, silly as it sounds, you know, you basically do a photo shoot after you, you, you know, you're shooting, you're shooting these animals. So oh yeah, it's, we know. It's, yeah. it's yeah. pretty, pretty clear. It'd, it'd be pretty easy to prove where yeah. it came from. So. What about the regulations on like tag placements and stuff like that? I, it, oh yeah, it gets kind of weird, you yeah. know, state to state. Some states have carcass tags, some states have antler tags. Oh, you yeah. know, like how do you keep up yeah. with that stuff? Uh, the same way, you know, when you're when you're in the in the winter when you're doing you know tag up. You know, every state has different rules for applying and, and applications, and you just kind of it's kind of all in, all inclusive. You just kind of learn along the way that you know which states. Want you to have proof of sex? Which ones want you to keep the tag on the antlers or keep the tag with the biggest portion of meat? Or some of them don't even, you just can have it in your pocket or in the cab of the truck. Yeah. Um, what handy. I usually do is, I, you know, no matter what, I just keep proof of sex. I'll just keep a testicle on it, uh, on the, the biggest, you know, ham on the you know, muscle out of the, out of the hind quarter, one of the, one of the hind quarters. And then uh, take the, um, the tag and it just stays with the meat uh, until. Uh, yeah, until I get home. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, so you, if you, um, the, the thing for me is like the testicle thing is cool to leave on a, on a bull, but then if it's not a, if it's a cow, what are you supposed to do? Uh, same thing, just proof of sex, but yeah, so you just, yeah, her reproductive organs. Okay. Man, that's just, that's so weird to me, you know, think about. It's yeah. hard to, it's hard to keep them on sometimes, oh, actually, yeah. you know, especially when like, you got to keep that in mind. Like, you go from shooting the animal to the first thing you need to consider is leaving proof of sex because that's the first that's the first place you start cutting most of the yeah. time, unless you're doing gutless method or something. When then, then that's a whole other yeah. rabbit trail. You know, trying to gutless method and leave proof of sex on an animal that's kind of a weird thing too. So, mm-hmm. it's uh yeah, just you can just leave out. You just basically cut around it and leave that patch of skin attached right to the uh, the other side of her. Um, uh, that muscle, or and, and you know, you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten out an animal. Uh, I got a one, I got a one on last year. Um, but prior to that, and that was just a doe. Um, and we were able to drive right to her. Uh, other prior to that, uh, I have not. I've done the bone, uh, the boneless or gutless method, both. Uh, I guess not every animal, even my Kansas bucks. Uh, dating back prior to 2012, it's just it's just cleaner and easier to me now. And you know, even you know, like down in Kansas, you know, it, it takes out the question of you know, can I drive across this this field? Does a farmer, this rancher, not or whatever? And that's just easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You know, one of the things I've found on elk is that. Uh, like the gutless method is is awesome if you can make it happen, but the last elk I killed was laying there in such a way that he just weighed so much I couldn't me and my dad couldn't get him turned over 
to do it without spilling the guts. So, like, we had to spill oh, the guts. Yeah. And then, you know, he actually was light enough to be able to flip. And we kind of did, like, I guess a, a blended method there, you know. But that's, like, the one thing yep. where uh, I really like the way gutless method works. And, you know, if you can, if they're laying there the right way, it works good. But if they're laying there kind of feet up, up in a bunch of, you know, oh, juniper yeah. or whatever, or spruce or whatever it is, it kind of gets a little bit tough. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I've I killed a one in 2014 that died on the run uh, and lodged himself in a log jam, like a V-shaped uh, down timber. Oh man! And I I, I, could, I couldn't move him forward, backwards, or left or right, and I had to basically just start at the top and take everything down as far as I could. And I couldn't even I couldn't even gut him. I just had to take everything from the top down, and then when I got to a point there you know, where his loins are off, his head's off, the tops of the you know, you know, hinds and fronts are off, and then he weighed a lot less enough. Like, it was messy, and it took, like, three times as long. Yeah. And the muscle groups, you know, I wasn't able to keep them together like I like to, but, yeah, and I know what you mean. Sometimes they... Uh, they don't help us out with where they're expired. Yeah. No, no, they're not thinking about us too much when that's happening. <laughs> no. Yeah. No so, consideration at all. Yeah. <laughs> Selfish, man. Um, do they? So, speaking of the legalities, do you have you ever run into a situation where you kill a big animal and a game warden checks you or uh, and wants to know where you shot it at? And does that get weird sometimes? Uh, no, actually, uh, you know, I, I actually usually am in contact with them before a hunt, uh, asking them questions anyways. So, uh, if, if you, if you help, if you offer, you know, information to them, you'd be surprised what you get back in return. And, uh, last year in Colorado, I was scouting, it was, the season wasn't open yet for deer, and I saw a helicopter doing some, some peculiar activity there was a giant basin just full of elk like probably four or five hundred head of elk um and i I was scouting for deer but there was a couple deer in there i was watching and a helicopter came over one of the peaks and got the the elk riled up and they took off like in a stampede and and the helicopter got pretty low and followed him and i had the spotting scope set up and with the digiscope i was i was filming when he did it so i got the whole thing on film and I had already I had already been in contact with them, just asking questions. Well, I, I called them again. And I said, "Hey, uh, there's somebody up here harassing help with a helicopter." And you can imagine how riled up he was. And so he's like, "Can you bring that? You know, can you give me that footage?" And so I went, went to town. Well, the next time I went to town to get food and supplies, I uh, ran him down and showed it to him. And uh, it. it, it, it in the long in the long run, he ended up finding out it was the sheep biologist. It was one of his oh. coworkers, uh, <laughs> which I, I don't think it mean. I, th- I think they, I mean what they were doing was still wrong. Um, but uh, but by going in there and talking to him, he kind of opened up to me, and he's like, "So what have you found so far?" And I I said, "I found one that's pretty good," and uh, and he looked at me like, you know, he, obviously he knew what basin uh, that I was watching when I, this helicopter came across and he's like yeah you're about you're about a mile and a half from aren't you or this big this, when the helicopter <laughs> happened i'm like yeah yeah and he, he knew exactly where that buck was that's funny and this was in a wilderness yeah this was in a wilderness unit seven miles in and he so that stone you kind of you know he's doing his job he's he's all over the place in there yeah yeah um, man I mean, he wasn't awkward <laughs> up exactly where he was and i showed him pictures and he's like yep that's <laughs> 
that's cool. Like he's the best one I know in there. So, so but I mean, like, I, I'm thinking more. So, I, I guess the way I, the reason I pose that question is because I'm thinking more probably because you know you move around out west a lot and you don't you know, like if you draw a really good tag a lot of times it's going to take you 10 or 20 years to do that again maybe but uh like in the deer hunting world i feel like sometimes it can get weird because you know there there's just uh a lot of i know i mean i go to church with a game warden that hunts deer loves hunting deer most of them love to hunt you know and so you think about like whitetail uh, that stuff is like super competitive when it comes to getting permission on land uh, or leases or even on public land, especially. And so I just think about it. I'm like, man, you know, if we, if Casey or I was to kill a big deer uh, on a public piece, man, like, are we going to have to show that game warden where we killed it to prove that we killed it on XWMA or X, you know, walk in or whatever yeah. it might be? And then is he going to go in there and hunt it next year, you know? So it's kind of a weird deal. I mean, I just was wondering if you had experienced something like that before where a guy's sitting on your spot next year or whatever. No, I, I never have. I think that, uh, I think, I think when I, when I first started hunting the mountains, I was a little naive to how good people are at picking up where you're hunting just by pictures. And I shared, you know, some scenery pictures that I had people, you know, uh, and some of them have become friends, uh, but literally, you know, they message you and they're like, so what'd you see and blah, 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 you know, fill in the blank, basically. <laughs> yeah. like, and they're like, we can tell, we know, we know exactly where you're at, you know, just from a couple of ridge lines. And, uh, I, you know, I deleted all the pictures that, you know, this was a long time ago, but nowadays, you know, I scout a lot of areas I don't necessarily hunt and I take a lot of pictures in there, um, just for future reference and, uh, if you're looking at any of my articles and you see scenery pictures, you can be 100% positive that they're not from the unit that I killed the animal in. <laughs> yeah. um, I, will, I will throw, you know, Nevada or a scenery mountain pictures in with a Colorado uh, story or whatever. Uh-huh. Just, to, just to mess up people because everybody's trying to figure out, you know, where you're getting a big deer from, which doesn't make any sense to me because he's already dead. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, yeah. you know there's a chance another one could be in there but not always the case yeah for sure for sure man so what else man when you're traveling like for me personally uh if i'm gonna go to the mountains or uh if it's deer season and i'm gonna travel like i want to make sure i have chapstick and a lot of times i carry like working hands you know or something that because my i kind of have dry skin and my my knuckles will crack and stuff you know if i'm out in it for a few mm-hmm. days and so do you have anything like that that's like you know, comfort of sorts, whether it's food, drink, you know, or, or, uh, toiletries or stuff like that. You know, the, I, I, chapstick is one of the things that a chapstick and a lighter, I have one in my pocket and one in my, like a little essentials kit in my backpack. And just because, yeah, if you forget that on a backpack trip, you are either one fire or, or the, uh, chapstick that's, yeah, I'd be screwed. Um, <laughs> The, uh, you know, the, the creature comfort thing to me that I have to have now is probably that little shower I was talking about. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it, there's nothing worse than being, you know, 100 miles from, you know, or whatever, 50 miles from a closest town and it has a shower and, you know, you've been in there for 10 days and you just, you know, you can only do so much with baby wipes after a while and it's just, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it wears on you. And if I can clean up every night, I, I find my, my mental attitude is... I can get after it a lot harder. Yeah. yeah. What's the best type of wipey? Uh, I like the dude wipes. 
wives are good. Uh huh. Dude wives. I've uh, I had a I went and filmed a guy on a sheep hunt one time that gave me some of those. So yeah. um yeah. Do you uh do you ever stay in a hotel? Occasionally. Uh last hard year to admit. one night. <laughs> one that's, that's one hard. night last year and it was after I, I shot my bull uh, in Colorado and uh, I had to hire a packer for that one. It was we were I was in about eleven miles from my, my uh, ATV at the trailhead and it was I just there was there was no way it would have taken me three days to get him out. Yeah. So I called, got a packer. Uh, by the time we got back to my truck, it was you know late at night, and I was I killed him in a burn, and I was covered from head to toe in just soot and black, you know, you know, just that was like a coal miner. <laughs> and there was no there was no showers anywhere. The only way I would do it was a you know basically a get a room, and I was just, I was ready for it. And uh, but I try not to. I mean, there's. It's. I don't mind camping, and uh, you know, if it's super cold, like the year before last, uh, I drew a late archery deer hunt in New Mexico, and I got down there with the plans of uh, hunting out of a base camp, but it was negative in the negative twenties uh, for the majority of the trip, and I I wasn't prepared for that, so I ended up, you know, luckily hotels are pretty inexpensive in in uh, New Mexico. Did you say negative twenties? Yeah. Oh yeah, was man. Being, being Twenty-two the first morning, and that was pretty much the average every morning. Oh. So very you, end of the hunt. Are you speaking in wind chills, or that's like actual temperature? No, no that was what my truck was telling me. Golly, oh. that's very cold, sir. <laughs> that's very cold. Oh yeah. man. Um, golly, I I think that that's when Casey shuts down too. So <laughs> you know, I guess that's uh, part of being from from where you're from you kind of can acclimate a little bit more to super cold temperatures but uh, us texas boys that ain't that ain't happening man <laughs> we were hoping for it. i mean i was i was praying for it too because i mean that's you know it's a january uh, migration hunt so yeah if you don't get the weather you don't see nearly as many deer and it got snow and cold right before i got there and I, it was perfect yeah man that's nuts so um you know, if you if you say you're you know doing your trip like you're doing right now, man, what uh, when it comes down to packing the stuff in the truck, yep. what does that look like? Do you have a system that's specific, or you just go, I'm just going to start playing Tetris here? Very specific. Uh, everything's in the same spot every year. Um, clothes are in the back seat, and uh, the. the I forget what they're called, the, the, the little Yeti uh, Laco boxes or whatever they are. Uh-huh. They're perfect for, uh, you know, I got my, uh, all my pants in one of them, a bunch, you know, tops in another one, hats and gloves in another one. Uh, and, you know, and that stuff stays in the, in the truck, with, you know, in the, in the cab. And then in the back, I've, you know, I've got gear in one little tote, I've got food in one little tote, you know, and everything's, everything's got its own little spot. And, you know, things that I use more often are at the back of the truck. They can slide out easier. Um, I kind of ran out of time this year, but I wanted to get one of those uh, decked uh, systems that have the pull out uh, trays. But I just didn't just didn't have enough time to yeah. order and install it. But uh, it's yeah, it, it, it saves a lot of time not you know looking for stuff and you know things things go wrong. You you, and you end up having to you know grab other gear. I've got backups of almost everything. Um, and, and oftentimes you have to use them, uh, but it's, 
data. Everything has to have it be its own little place. What do you decide doesn't need a backup? How do you decide something doesn't need a backup? Well, that's a great question. Um, I actually am taking less gear this year. You know, I got, I got everything out in the garage. She's like, where's everything else? I'm like, I know. It looks like less, isn't it? And she's like, <laughs> you're forgetting a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, don't say that. But there was just a lot of things that I, I'm not, I, I decided not to take. Um, and it's just, it's a little, I mean, it's just little piddly stuff, but it added up to a tote or two. And, uh, but, you know, anything important. I got a, you know, backup bow. I've got two bows set up identical. Um, I've got, you know, backup binoculars. I've got one, well, I'm usually doing a binocular review every year some type of optics for rock slide anyway. So I've got more of them than I need. And, um, you know, some things like releases and flashlights. So I've got more than two. I've got piles of them. You know, I think I've got three, three or four releases with me. Um, three of them are identical. And then my target panic is too bad. I got a, a tension activated release. I can escape to real quick. Um, but you know, just, there's, yeah, it's just, you know, some things you just, you know, if it's, if it's not a big space uh, requirement, you know, just bank on the side of caution and bring it. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. So, um, there's a lot of guys out there who are probably thinking that this all sounds real cool, um, but they might not really know where to start. How did you determine? I know you got a system for everything. <laughs> I can tell now, you know, like you're a technical guy. Uh, in fact, we're going to name this technical Tony Treach. I think is going to be on the podcast, but um, which is definitely a, a compliment, man. You, you got it dialed for sure. But like, how did you start deciding where you were going to go and like start putting these trips together? Was it all about trophy potential, or were, was there parts of the country you wanted to see, or like how did that come together? Well, it started out, you know, like I said before, I, I used to do the Midwest, the, the same thing, and uh, for, it was just opportunity then. You know, I, I was hunting really good counties in Illinois and Ohio and Iowa, and, uh, and I'm definitely focusing on, you know, uh, my goal is to shoot a, you know, something that's going to grow some in bracket, uh, with my bow or gun, doesn't matter. Um, so I'm looking for older age class animals, and the... The, you know, the first couple trips to the mountains, I was just, I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to, to, get, to go and experience it, and I had really no expectations. I was going to shoot the first legal bull I, I saw, and my first elk was just a little 4 by 4 in Colorado. And, um, but once under my belt, like, all right, I'm going to take this serious. And he, there's a lot of research that goes into finding where, you know, and go hunt in places like that. And hunting full have made it a lot easier nowadays to... To, you know, they shorten the research uh, curve quite a bit, but you know, I want I want to hunt every year. For first off, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm don't, I don't apply for the the really glory tags that take lots of points, but only in a couple states and only in a couple species. Most of my hunts that I'm applying for are a mix of opportunity. I want to hunt at least you know in Colorado. I just I want to hunt every year for elk and deer, no matter what. Kansas, I'm not. If I ever don't draw Kansas, I'm going to be a really sad guy. Yeah. yeah. But but there's there's other spots that, you know, if I hunt Utah every two or three years, cool. If I hunt Nevada every five, seven years, fine. Um, but I'm not going to go somewhere that doesn't have an you know, the animal that I want to kill. Uh, if they're not there, we can't kill them. And, you know, so I, 
Yeah, and I've, and I've, I've struck out before. Uh, two years ago, I drew Nevada and scouted it for 10 days and turned the tag back in. And I didn't find, you know, in 10 days of scouting, with zero other pressure. I never saw a very human. I didn't see a single mature buck. And it's like, well, this is, if I can't find them in 10 days before the season starts, once the, once the elk hunters and the sheep hunters and the deer hunters start pushing everything around, it ain't going to get easier. So, you know, I, I turned it in. Yeah. Um, so it's trial and error a little bit, but there's all kinds of information out there on, on the internet nowadays that yeah, yeah, people that are somewhere willing to help. Uh, the, the, the easier the tag is to draw, the less willing people will be to, to, to give you advice and information. Yeah. People, you know, the, the draw, you know, the tag that take 20 points to draw, people will, you can get a list of people to talk to and they'll tell you everything about it and where they killed it. But if it's something that they're going to hunt every year or two, or even five, you're, you're going to have to do some serious digging to, to figure out, you know, where there's a good mix of quality and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So after you, you know, you've been doing this marathon, marathon traveling, hunting thing for a while, um, whenever you point the, the truck home, are you more fulfilled or more exhausted? Uh, it depends. Um, most of the time, I mean, I like to, I, don't, I would say fulfilled and exhausted. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm pretty, uh, disappointed too. Uh, last year's Montana hunt for elk. Um, I, I put a lot of time into it and was on a, the biggest bulls I've ever, I mean, I saw three, the three, three bulls were probably the, the three biggest I've ever seen, and they're all in the same unit, the same year. And I had opportunities to, you know, that this little things went wrong, and I, you know, and, and I didn't get an arrow off. Yeah. And I hunted right till the last day of the season. Uh, it was driving home from that was a little tough. Yeah, because yeah, I bet. So many, I left, I left cards on the table, so. Yeah, but we had, I'm exhausted. I, I, am happy. I can commiserate with you there. I mean, we hunted what, nine and a half days in the Gila wilderness last year for elk, and uh, day one, I uh, had my shot at you know the like 350 plus bull and didn't connect. And after that, mm. you know, for the next like eight and a half days, it was a, uh, a struggle in many different senses, you know. But uh, yeah, had to drive home with eating a tag from pretty pretty awesome hunt you know and it's it's a very strange feeling for sure yep yeah, yeah it'll make you rethink what you know your decisions you made but you know you just, just gotta you gotta live with it you gotta, yeah. you gotta you know when it's happening you just gotta be like this is this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna be happy with it one way or the other yeah of course or not i tell you what man uh, going through something like that not that it's like not like I went to war or something, you know, but like in, in the right. hunter space, like it's a it's a difficult thing to, to deal with. And it I've never like longed for the next season more. You know, like it's like yes. at this point in time, like I, I've got uh, an axe to grind, you know, it's like I gotta get back out there and prove my worth to myself, you know. Yeah. No, I understand that for sure. Uh, I was uh I, I, I've got a, Montana, a different Montana deer tag or elk tag this year, but there'll definitely be some redemption uh, <laughs> in my mind when I hunt that one. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tony, man, I love talking to you, man. I appreciate you doing this. This is you're just you're a pro, man. You just do you do what a lot of guys wish they could do, and and you have some killer experiences, man. And just overall experience, man. You're just I mean I can't think of a better guy to talk to about stuff like this. I really appreciate you 
taking the time while you're driving across uh, the great state of Iowa, probably in a perfect time to see big velvet deer, and you're sitting here talking to us about packing a truck. So I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for deer. It's okay. <laughs> there you go. I think we heard you digging for the binoculars just then, actually. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the sun's getting close to the horizon. They'll be moving soon. That's oh, right, yeah, man. I guarantee you, man. Well, where's uh, where can we check out more stuff from Tony Treach right now, man? Uh, there's usually a couple reviews uh, per year on Rock Slide. Uh, sometimes more, but. Uh, I got I got stuff on there. Um, I was actually on the cover of Eastman's uh, last month. Uh, so if you're a subscriber to that, you, you know you can get that that read. Uh, I, I got a health story coming out there uh, yet this year too. Jeez. But that's yeah, like the Sports Illustrated, you know, cover yeah. of Sports Illustrated. That's for the, for the hunters, you know. Goodness, that's awesome. Yeah, my wife, uh, she likes telling her girlfriend she married a cover model now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Well, unfortunately, that cover model is going to be gone for the next two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, not, it's, that's, that's one of the hardest parts is being away from her. Yeah. So it's... Sure. It's, uh, it's, it's work, and, you know, it's... It's it's not all fun and game, you know. It's obviously I'm, I'm hunting state to state and trail in between and without going home. It's 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 fun, but it's also a lot of work. And there's really no downtime. Like I'm, yeah, I'm scrambling from from state to state and you know trying to be as efficient as I can. And I mean, it's I have a hard time explaining that to her sometimes. She just thinks I'm you know oh, sitting know. at a you know, you know beach chair out here and. <laughs> Just wait here to like run up to the side of the truck and die, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I know. I would take it once this season for sure. <laughs> Not the whole time, but once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to make. It's hard to make them understand sometimes that uh, like how busy you are when you're like you know even during midday if you like you know I think about this like if you're hunting deer or whatever you you hunt the morning things kind of slow down you may go back to the truck and get lunch and and kind of regroup and think okay well we didn't see what we needed to this morning let's go somewhere else and like it is a constant like mental battle of like for all morning you were freezing so you had to like beat the elements and then you know you go through the middle of the day thinking how can I how can I get on a deer where do I go and what's the wind going to do and all these different things and you go back out in the evening you do it again till after dark and you try to find something to eat and go to sleep so you can do it all again before dark you know before light the next morning so I, it's hard to make you know make uh, your significant other understand how much work it is sometimes especially when you're like yeah i when i was growing up i did this for like fun you know yeah exactly <laughs> so, which it's still fun yeah. but you know I, I i totally uh hear what you're saying with that man but uh anyway good luck dude safe travels uh Thank you. we look forward to to seeing you check-ins on instagram and that kind of thing man and seeing how how your season goes so good luck this season i appreciate it good luck to you guys too Tony's going to be hunting a lot of public land, and if you're hunting public land this year, one of the best things you can do if you're learning to hunt is become a YouTube subscriber for The Element and watch some of our new videos. They're going to start releasing September 3rd, public land hotspot videos where we do you know, just a quick dive into five or six minutes worth of talking about a particular tactic that we have seen work for us 
and uh, that we we use when we e scout and that kind of thing. They're called Public Land Hotspots videos. They're going to start releasing the third. I'm going to release two that day, and then we're going to go one per week every Thursday. So podcast days, you know, are going to be lining up with that. And you're going to get a chance to uh, hopefully learn about those hot spots all the way up till the first of October. So uh, definitely some cool stuff there. Hopefully that's a good oh, little yeah. addition to the Map Scout Challenge stuff. That's right. And these are all things that really aren't um, the stuff that you hear about in the public eye. Like we're not talking buck betting and we're not talking about scrapes. Like we're talking about like some really unique stuff that we've seen that the average guy can really key on to key in on to have success. Exactly, man. I've, you know, I've always tried to be, have some creativity and be a little bit original and think a little bit outside the box. I've always tried to do that um, for a long time and with music and stuff, especially because if you're just doing what everybody else is doing, you're, you're following the crowd and nobody's going to, think you're worth anything but when it comes to the hunting thing you know it's kind of beneficial uh to us to think outside of the box right because we're kind of going up against you know other guys in the public land and i hate to make it sound like we're going against them but you know if i'm going to go out and use my gas and time away from my family i prefer that i kill the buck and not do it over there you know so yeah i hope he has a good experience but i want to go home with the animal sure (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe we can both kill one, but if you're hunting in Texas on public, there's only one per track, you know, yeah, there's only one deer out there. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, anyway, yeah, those are, those are cool videos. Go check them out. Um, we had, we had a lot of fun putting those together and we're going to do some more at some point. Um, that's just all we could get out before, um, kind of hunting season started or whatever, but, uh, season playlist is about to kick off. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Um, also Instagram, you know, we're going to kind of try to keep things pretty live there as far as, um, what we're doing day to day, um, when we're out and that kind of thing. So if you're not following yeah. on Instagram, you know, keep up with that. So there'll be a, uh, there'll be a slight lapse in content from about the 15th of September to mm, the 18th. After we've both tagged out, we'll come back and, and have, uh, some good, good stuff for you there, but right. there'll be a little bit of lapse in there because Instagram is cool and they don't let you, uh, schedule things out or anything. So, you know, it, it, it has to be live yep. when you do it. Yep. So that's yep. all right. Everybody's going to love us either way. And, uh, dude, how big of a bull are you going to kill whenever we're gone? Uh, four by five, maybe. Ooh, baby. That's like <laughs> nine total. I know. Nine points, dude. Nine that's points. Dumb, dude. A nine point in the whitetail world is a nice one. I and know. That's a, definitely going to be a nice one. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about that, but like, like the standard for elk is a six by six. Like that's what you're trying to kill. That's a 12 point. Yeah, and like if you kill a twelve point in the whitetail world, that's a rare animal. When you're talking about main, like mainframe twelve, you know, like I ain't talking about them little briar points on the bases. You know, yeah. talking about like you know G fives, and yeah. uh, not a lot of deer have those. So Mm-mm. elk are cool critters, man. Yeah, they are, man. They're cool. I'm uh, I'm hoping that we can get one down, man. I'm looking forward to spending a little time in the mountains too, just oh, to cool too. off and to see the stars and that kind of thing. You know. So. Yeah, dude. There's a chance you kill two twelve points in September. Can you believe that? <laughs> but when y'all go to Nebraska, you got you got to come in. You got to hold it up on the front end. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I know. If I yeah. if I don't uh, kill a twelve point in Nebraska, then I can't do that this this year. So <laughs> that's all right. Just go ahead and go to shoot an eight point Nebraska, and you'll let the pressure off right then. We'll all be happy. I would be happy with an eight point. So oh man! I only so saw a sick, couple dude. of them last year in Nebraska, so it was yeah. Uh, but I mean, even driving. you're gonna have a different you're gonna have a different year this year, man. It's gonna be rocking and rolling. It's I gonna be so. awesome. 
I'm stoked, man. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get a couple of guys on. I think hopefully soon that uh, we'll keep the stoke high. So we've got a few guests lined up that are pretty exciting. Uh, we're also gonna be coming at you with reports from the hunts that were going on. And um, I don't know, man. I, I can't say anything else except for I'm just ready to be there, man. I'm ready for it to be cooler than it is here in Texas and uh, less right. hurricaney. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no else. kidding, man. Yeah, well, guys, if y'all are listening and you actually are hope, hoping to or probably going to hunt an opener this uh, upcoming week, good luck. I don't get to do that. Tyler does. And y'all are going to have such a great season starting in september which is freaking awesome so uh hope you uh gain a little knowledge from from tony and all of his expertise on how to pack and how to travel and uh do all that stuff that way you don't have all those extra stresses weighing on you yep that's right man i hope it was beneficial so with that remember this is your element living it You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.